coming up on today's show. We are four weeks away from Tomahawk Live, and we have some exciting news about a special guest who will be in the building. I'll give you a hint. It's Joe's wife. We play another round of Explain Yourself, and we fix NFL officiating once and for all with two simple words, Twitter polls. Hear us out on this one. Pedicures, glove obsessions, and the sweet sounds of Ed Orderon. All of this and much, much more coming up on another episode of The Tomahawk Show. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs> that was a pretty good impression right there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Tomahawk Show. It's your boy, Andrew Hawkins. Joined by a humble co-host, the best football player that I have ever seen in the state of Wisconsin that lives currently at the exact address he lives in, Joe Thomas. Joe, how you doing today, man? Another great day in America, my friends. Lots to talk about, as always. NFL season is rolling on, which always puts a smile on my face because I really don't care, outside of the Browns, who's winning. I just like watching good games, and I, I like controversies. It. And there is plenty of controversies roaring right now in the NFL. Controversies are heating up, bro. All right, so listen, this is a Tomahawk show. This is the best Football podcast, sports podcast, um, badminton podcast, knitting podcast, um, parallel parking podcast. You name it, this is it. Follow us on social media, at Tomahawk Show. Interact with the show on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Tomaflock, and hit us up on our voicemail line, 440-628-1376. We have a ton of voicemails that we laugh at constantly. We love your reactions to anything that happens in sports. I want to start opening this up beyond disgruntled Browns fans, because the thing about football Mm -hmm. is, there's always disgruntled fans. Last night, when we're taping this on Tuesday, so last night would have been a perfect time for Lions fans to go ahead and, and voice some of their frustrations on the voicemail line. So we got to start figuring this out and making sure it's, it's it's therapy for all. We want everyone to be able to get that out, right? This is NFL therapy. This is NFL it's not just therapy. therapy. It's it NFL is, therapy. It's family because therapy. It's everything. If there's, if there's one thing that's consistent about NFL football, it's all football fan bases thinks they're getting screwed and yep. that the NFL is out to destroy them. <laughs> and everybody wants to bitch about their team to make themselves Absolutely. feel better about their daily life. And we are no different here as Browns fans. Yes. But we know, based on what we see and we hear on the Tomahawk Twitter, on the Tomahawk Facebook, on the Tomahawk Instagram, and of course, the great voicemail line, 440-628-1376. All NFL fans, they like to vent. That's and it. we love hearing it. That is it. So listen, we have a great show today. We're going to do, throughout the entire show, Explain Yourself, mm-hmm. our favorite segment where we, we go into our Twitter throughout the week and we, and we talk about those hot topics going on there. Before we get to that, Joe, we got to talk about the thing that's been exciting us the most, keeping us up at night. We're like kids the night before Christmas, except we're a month away from Christmas. It's our live show in Cleveland, Ohio at the House of Blues in Cleveland on November 13th at around 7 o'clock-ish because we don't think we have a real time yet. So listen, if you are listening, go buy your tickets. Ticketmaster. Go to our social media page. Hit the link in our bio. House of Blues Cleveland and all of that. Joe, what are you most looking forward to on the live show, bro? Well, let me tell you, this is such a big show. Yes. That my wife has decided to come with me wow. to Cleveland, Ohio. And let me tell you, there is nobody on planet Earth that gives a shit less about what <laughs> I do professionally than Annie Thomas. And so for her to say, I want in on that, something big is happening. And actually, outside of her, 
people have been hitting me up on Twitter, showing me copies of their tickets that they bought. And uh, Paul Brown fan from the United Kingdom yes. currently is the person that's traveling the furthest to come listen to the Tomahawk London. show. So make sure you follow him on Twitter. That's exciting. That got me real jazzed. I cannot wait to see him, meet him in person. But if you're traveling further than the UK to come see us, on the live Tomahawk show at the House of Blues the night before the Pittsburgh Steelers Cleveland Browns Thursday night football game. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter because I want to give you props. And I feel like this could be part of the game. This could be part of the drinking game yep. that we're developing that we're going to be rolling out big, bigly on that Thursday night. <laughs> bigly. Uh, excuse me, the Wednesday night. Wednesday night before. Tomahawk at House of Blues. We might have some fans from uh, Kazakhstan coming. I'm not sure because we're the number one podcast Well, we are the number one podcast True. in Kazakhstan. So we're going to wait off to see if anybody there officially bought tickets and is making the trip. Annie Thomas is in the building. That's wild. Also, Joe, did I, have, I think I have told you this, but my wife's maiden name is, last name is Thomas. You told me that. Yeah, so Annie and, and Keisha could start a show besides the fact that they both have our last names for Tomahawk Show. What would their show be? Topics about how much we suck? Yeah. H- how much they hate their husbands? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be warranted. All right. We have to figure out some parameters around the patented Tomahawk drinking game. Um, right now, the only rule is when you hear the word Cal Shanahan, to drink. Uh, and as Hammond as I'm sure that gets everyone who listens to this show... I think we got to start putting some other rules in. My wife told me to stop encouraging people to drink. And mm. I'm like, you know what? You're we right. We didn't say you had to drink alcohol. You Very could be true. drinking a nice sparkling water or maybe a yes. Mountain Dew if you're Andrew Hawkins. Yes, Dew. I'm drinking Dew. Um, you might be drinking a tea. You might be drinking a coffee. Whatever it is, take a sip. If you're drinking bleach, have a sip. It's whatever. We wouldn't encourage that. Either. No, we don't encourage anything. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> On the scale of things that we're going to encourage, alcohol is like number two after just water and uh-huh. milk. And then bleach is somewhere down the line a little bit further. It's, it's way down towards the bottom. We're going to add some parameters to the drinking game, and we need rules from you. We need you to set the parameters for this game. It could be more statements that we say that could encourage somebody to, to drink their coffee. Or it could be rules and regulations. I don't know. I'm not good at making games. I played in the NFL. Let's get this show started, man. Where are we going? We're going right to tweets, right? Explain yourself. Let's do it. Please rise. Part is now in session. Explain myself. Explain yourself. <laughs> All right, so in this segment... That- there is nobody better on earth than introing our different segments <laughs> than me. I got to be honest. I, I get a nice chuckle every time. And uh, our producer and our team behind the scenes, they do a great job cutting that stuff up. You just love uh, hearing so your I like voice. To, I like explain yourself. I want to get a whole the, album. My tripping is still the best. I want to get a whole album with the way that you intro all the segments <laughs> so I could just ride to it in my car and listen to the, the sweet rhymes of Joe Thomas. All right. So explain what yourself. Of, what kind of ride you got? Before we get into explain yourself, what, what are you driving into work? That's a good. I want you to guess because I'm I, I'm not one for stereotypes, but I take it you drive a pickup, right? Am I wrong? That's there? true. Okay, I'm very true. Guy. So what kind well, of car? I, I, <laughs> it's uh, it's mainly because I got a dealer. Okay. Uh, deal dealer deal, and so they kind of give me whatever is left over on the lot. But I do like pickup trucks. But um, so yeah. you've stereotyped me. I'm going to stereotype you. All right, give it to me. I think 
but I don't know anything about cars. But I think you're driving a BMW like seven series. I don't even know what that means, but it okay. sounds like Andrew sounds like, Hawkins. Sounds like something like I would drive. Elegant, a little classy, not too flashy, but fast as hell. I like that. So I'm not driving a BMW. I actually drive a Mercedes. Oh, it's close. Uh, that would have been my second guess. 500 series. So where where is a 500 series on the scale of awesomeness when it comes to Mercedes-Benz? Is um, it like right in the middle or is that a high end? It's probably closer to higher end. Um, okay. But I've had it for a while. I bought it in 2014. It was the first car that I bought and the only car I've bought in, since I've been in the NFL. So since I left college in 2007, it's the only car I've, I've gotten myself. Ooh, very nice. So I'm... You know, I, I I get my money's worth, as 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 the people say here. You don't leave that thing at the laundromat. No, let me tell you. Yo, you said you have a deal. You still have a car deal? I do. Yeah, I've got a, a deal with Philback Ford in Wisconsin, Man. and I do some ads and commercials and stuff for them. And that's awesome. You know, if you were better at media, if you, if you were bringing more people to the Tomahawk Show, you might have a car deal out in I, California as well. I think I might have to get back in the car deal game because I'm actually more popular now. Um, than I was as a player, and I had a car deal. <laughs> uh, don't take this the wrong way, Hawk, but I don't have a hard time believing that. <laughs> so when I was in Cincinnati, let me tell you about the innovation of Hawk. I had a car deal in Cincinnati um, the three years I was there because essentially I was good friends with A.J. Green. So A.J. was super <laughs> quiet, and my brother obviously played at the University of Cincinnati. He played for the Bengals for six years. So he's like synonymous with the city. So here comes his little brother also playing for the Bengals. They called me Baby Hawk. They treated me like I was from Cincinnati. That's why I have a very, very close connection to the city. And there was a car company essentially gave me a deal because A.J. Green was my friend. And we would go do these signings together. And they gave me a car for three years. I didn't have to buy a car just because A.J. was my buddy. So that is the Sean McVay version <laughs> yeah. of car deals. Well, he's friends with Sean McVay, so we're going to give him a job. <laughs> he's so, friends with AJ Green, so we should give him a car too. So, needless to say, I'm going to have my representatives reach out to all Wisconsin dealerships and be like, "Well, he does a podcast with Joe Thomas. You should probably give him a vehicle." <laughs> I wouldn't stop paying your lease just yet. That's, that's okay. What I'm saying. All right. So here on Explain Yourself, John is going to tee up a tweet. Um, that we sent throughout the week. And we're just going to use that as the tipping off point to talk whatever hot topic that I like is that. I was tweeting about because I was trying to go viral. Anytime I tweet, I'm trying to go viral. So what do we got, John? Start Which is like 10,000 times a day. Yes. <laughs> Very bad rate of going viral. On Sunday, Hawk quote tweeted a video of Will Fuller dropping touchdown passes and said, I was such a head case about drops, I would have changed my gloves 10 times throughout the game. Explain yourself, Hawk. Yeah, I was a super duper head case. It was actually like caused me the most anxiety in my life, like during football years, because all I would do is obsess about dropping the football. Now, I didn't drop the ball a lot. I had drops. Every receiver does when you get so many passes. Um, for at one point in time, I had like the best catch rate of a receiver in the NFL, like over a two or three year period. Another coach. Hit I thought me you were going to say like a two or three game period. Yeah, no, like, no, 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 no. So, you were tied with a hundred <laughs> other receivers for first place. You didn't have any drops. I had hey, nice four job, targets and four catches. And I <laughs> tell your kids about it. that someday. Yeah, but I used to obsess over it so much that as my career progressed, I would get more like uh, anal about exactly my process. So it went from being like, yo, I'm going to wear this one pair of gloves a week. And I would have a pair of gloves that I would wear throughout the week and get a new pair on game day and use them. And then that matured into, okay, well, I'm going to have a game day glove and then I'm going to get a new pair of gloves for that week of practice. And then that matured to, 
all right, so I'm going to use two pairs a week. Then it went to one pair of gloves per practice. And then in games, it went from one pair of gloves per half. And then it went to one pair of gloves per quarter. And I would literally burn through gloves Mm. just because I needed them to be fresh. That's how obsessive I was about drops. So what would you do with those gloves at the end of the game? I would either give them away or throw them away or just Mm -hmm. pile them up in my locker. Like I would tip like honestly, 90% of the time I would just give them to a kid in the stance, right? Because they would, Mm -hmm. they would cherish that forever, but I would burn through them. Like, and so the equipment, I would buy my own gloves coming into the season. Like I would just go to the equipment manager and Brad will tell you the the equipment manager in Cleveland, I would come and I would just offer like, yo, here's a thousand dollars put it on my glove tab, I'm going to run through a lot and let me know when I need to re-up. He would never take it, but I would be like, look, I get that I'm asking for a lot, but I'm willing to basically pay for it. So I was super obsessive about gloves. And I I don't know if this still reigns true, but I think I have the best catch rate of any Browns receiver since they've come back to Cleveland. You're just making up stats. I swear I'm not. I don't know if it's still true true. because I, I think Jarvis is doing really, really good. But I think I have the best catch rate of it. And, and again, that's not a high bar. Let's just call it what it is. It's not it's not like we were just, you know, receivers are just coming in and out of Cleveland balling out. So, but I want to say I've, I had a best, best catch rate of any receiver since like 1997. So obviously I didn't catch the football very much, but I was totally obsessed with my gloves and the fit of my gloves. And I feel like I have pretty normal sized hands for the size of my body. Like I don't have abnormally long fingers like you see some guys are just huge like meats meat hooks like the meaty (laughs) part of my hands aren't like crazy uh but for some reason i went through probably 15 or 20 different types of gloves and none of them fit me just right because i was obsessed with having really really tight fitting gloves i needed that oj glove remember hands were all swollen you could barely get those things on you gotta really massage that thing in that was me in pregame. And so Under Armour came out with these pairs of gloves like my second year that I started wearing and I loved them. They fit my hand just perfect. It was like latex coming on there. You know, it was like the exam gloves. Uh-huh. And they had a really nice tacky leather palm. It was just perfect. And I used to wear these plaster thumb guards that you would put on your the back of your glove and then you'd tape them onto your hands so that your thumbs wouldn't get broken and jammed up every game. Um, and my ninth season, Under Armour stopped making that style. And I like gave them the riot act. And they're like, no, the next version we have are really good. And I tried them on. And in my opinion, what they did is they just started making a cheaper glove because the glove was still nice, but the details weren't there like the other gloves. And I thought, I told them, I said, these are the best lineman gloves that anybody has ever made in the history of the world. Don't stop making these. Well, they stopped. And then... (laughs) I was kind of screwed because I'm like, well, I'm still playing, but I need these gloves. And I used to go through a different pair every single week. And so when they stopped making them, I called up Under Armour and I said, call your factory in Vietnam, in China, (laughs) and your warehouse in Baltimore and literally send me every single pair of these in three and four X that you have. And then they did. And I think there was like 50. And so Brad Mellon had this huge box. Brad Mellon's the equipment guy for the Browns. He had Uh this huge box of only my gloves that used to sit in the back and I would wear one every single game. But then my last season or my last season and a half, we ran out. So what we had to do, and I would give one of the equipment interns in the back 20 bucks every week, 
is after the game because my my gloves would be just nasty. They'd be stinky and sweaty, and they'd be covered in tape and all sorts of gunk. And I would have them, and you have to go through after every game and take all the tape off. And they would wash them to get all like the the grass that was stuck on there. And <clears throat> they would uh, get them ready so that I could wear them again the next week. And See, I don't so get we just that. Kept recycling gloves, and not to get way into the the glove weeds, but. You don't even catch the football. Who gives a damn what's on your hands? I know, hands? but you know what? I use my hands way more than you do because you catch the ball as a good game 10 times a game. For me, I'm putting my yeah, hands on my opponent. Both hands. 68 plus times. There is not a single play in the game where I'm not using my hands to grab my opponent. Yeah, that's cool. So that's why. So that, I, yeah, that's no wonder exactly you made it to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a lot of holds. That's one thing you don't realize. Joe Thomas held every play. Which is That's he true. would have these gloves that were Velcro and would stick to the jerseys of the defensive end. <laughs> Everything is making sense now, bro. All right, next tweet. All right. Before we move on, Hawk Stats and Research yes. confirms best catch rate of any Browns receiver of the last, I guess, 20 plus years. Yeah. Could you please cite your source? Because I still don't believe <laughs> it. I'll give it to you. It's fifty it's fifty-eight point nine percent. Number two is Dennis North Dennis Northcutt. I've also listened to these podcasts back and it's made me realize I have a lisp, probably from the veneers that I had to get when I, my tooth fell out versus the Jets my rookie year. Um, so sorry about that, everyone listening. Dennis Northcutt is number two at 59%. Kevin Johnson, 57.4. Number four is Josh Gordon at 51.9. Greg Little is number five. So Hawk edges out that Dennis says Northcutt. That's everything you need to know because Greg Little had terrible hands. He didn't catch anything. <laughs> Jarvis, Jarvis Landry like that, is man. not on this list, to be fair. Yeah, I got I to gotta get the source. Somebody tweeted this to me. So I, I got to see how they did the... Uh, Let's move on before you make a worse case for yourself. <laughs> no, this talking is... talking about how Greg Little had great hands. Braylon Edwards is eight. Uh, he Muhammad also had bad hands. Massaquai is nine. <laughs> they had terrible hands. Chavis These Benjamin These are just seven. random receivers on the Browns. <laughs> The investigation. If, is I, if I gave you a list of this, you would not be able to put together what this list Joe is. Joe Jervicious <laughs> probably had the best hands of anybody that I played with that I can remember off the top of my head, and he's not on that list. So I know your list is bogus. You needed at least 200 targets. How long did Joe Jervicious play with the Browns? Joe and Callan Winslow had the two best hands of anybody I played with. I think Steve Hyden probably would have been up there. He's a tight end. And you had good hands. I'm not going to lie. You, did, you had really good hands. Solid. Did you have 200 targets? In, yeah. What, three years with the Browns? Yep. Yep. All right. We're belaboring this. Next next topic. All right. Joe from the Thursday night Giants-Patriots game tweeted a photo with the caption, we had Robert Kraft on set pregame. These were his shoes. The photo shows Mr. Kraft's kicks, which say six-time champions Patriots on the back. Joe, explain yourself. There was a lot of jealousy in my head when I was taking that photo and I tweeted <laughs> that out. Uh, Robert Kraft, he's very well known for wearing tennis shoes with suits. And so I wasn't surprised to see that he has his own custom shoes that have the 6X champions on the back. Um but it was really cool because we were talking to him and he was saying that, I guess in the New England area, you can actually buy those shoes and that all the money that he's raised has gone to charity. And he said he's raised over like $500,000, mm. which was pretty cool. And so definitely a little jealous side of me came out. But at the same time, I was like, these are pretty cool shoes. And I'm not going to lie, if I was uh, with the Browns and we won six championships, I'd be wearing probably more than just tennis shoes that says <laughs> six-time champions. He's really big into sneakers for whatever reason. They love sneaks. 
Hawk, should we get you two-time Canadian champion sneakers? Oh, that well, would be so amazing. I'd have to add them to the collection I already have. I've, I've had those done up years ago. <laughs> Join the party, guys. I'm a fucking champion. All right, Joe, let's take a break to talk about our sponsor for this show, Yoked. You are yoked, and everybody is wondering, like, how did Joe get an eight-pack after being a blubbering lard mm. for so many years? Wow. How did you do it? Uh, now that you've destroyed my ego, okay. uh, that's okay, but I'll, I'll, I will tell you something. I've been on this product called Yoked for about six months now, and uh-huh. I've been a guy who was always a protein supplement guy, so throughout my whole career going back to college, I was always a protein guy, right? And protein's great. It helps with muscle synthesis. It helps build muscle. It helps preserve muscle when you're exercising, but this new product called Yoked is really cool because it is not a protein supplement. It's not a protein replacement. But what it does, it actually makes your protein shakes more effective. Mm. It works in your stomach with the protein that you're ingesting after you work out to make your protein better. So you build more muscle, you preserve your muscle if you're in a deficit, and it makes you yoked like Mm. me. So if you ever get your ass off the couch and get yourself some yoked, this will make your protein supplements better and your eight pack harder. All right. I like that. How does it taste? Because that's always my thing when 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 I'm... putting things in my body to make sure that I look mm. like a Greek god because I'm going to get back. Oh. I'm just going to take time. Mm. I always wonder, does it taste bad? How does it taste, Joe? Yeah, you know what? It's awesome because not only does it taste good, but because it is made from fertilized egg yolks, it has a creamy consistency. You know, like the delicious mm. part of a malted milkshake or a shake is if you ever put a raw egg in there, it's because that that egg yolk makes a creamy consistency that's delicious. So it actually takes your protein shakes, which are pretty decent, but can be a little bit gritty sometimes. And it makes them creamy and smooth, much more like a milkshake. And it's delicious. My like kids that. love it. So it actually not only makes your protein shakes better for you, but it makes them taste better also. All right. I love that. All right. So what we're going to do for our listeners, we're going to give you an exclusive discount so you can try Yoked for yourself. Head over to Yoked.com. Use the code Joe20 at checkout and you will get 20% off your order. That's Yoked.com. Y-O-L-K-E-D.com. Use code Joe20 for 20% off. Stop beating around the bush. Go get that muscle. Otherwise, it'll be left in the laundromat. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. All right, what's next? Hawk quote tweeted a story about Russell Wilson. Apparently... Russell Wilson's in-helmet communication wasn't working, and he led a first-half touchdown drive against the Browns on Sunday without any help from his coaches. Hawk said, this is why he's special. Hawk, explain yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a simple one. Russell Wilson is a beast, and I think he understands football at a different level. That's what that's what you want to look for in a quarterback. Like, And I think this is where Aaron Rodgers and, and LaFleur, why their relationship is so rocky, because in that offense, the offense is actually oh. telling you oh. where to go. Uh, but – you know, for Russell just to be like, yo, I got it. Let me just out to, I know exactly what to run and I know the plays to run to. I know the plays in the game plan. I know what works and doesn't work. 
And he, he, you would have never known that it was actually him calling all the plays. There's not many quarterbacks that can do that at a high level, and they could have did the next series, and he probably would have done it again because he's that effing good. Do you believe that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers' relationship is rocky? I don't think it's rocky. Here's a chance to renege on that comment. I don't think it's rocky. I think that it's going to take a little bit for them to gain, you know, Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan drink type chemistry. I was, was going to say Matt, Matt Ryan and Dirk Cutter chemistry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's some good chemistry going on down there. No, actually, I have a little different take on this. All I right. actually think their relationship is really good. Everything we've seen and heard from Aaron Rodgers has been how much he loves Matt LaFleur. And I think that's because he has actually given Aaron Rodgers a large amount of latitude to do what he wants on the field as far as changing the plays, as far as suggesting plays uh, in meetings, behind the scenes. And I think Aaron Rodgers really enjoys the ownership that Matt LaFleur has given him of this offense. He has laid out, he being Matt LaFleur, has laid out his offense and his vision for this team, but also opened it up and said, look, Aaron, you're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I know you've got a lot of things you really love. So I want to hear your input, which is more important than anything that I can give to you. You being comfortable with the plays that we're calling out there is more important than anything that I could do behind the scenes, X's and O's. And I think that's why it's worked so well so far. And it started a little bit slowly because they were still kind of figuring each other out. And it was a new offense for that whole team that had been under Mike McCarthy for a long time. But they seem to be rolling pretty good right now. And and I was doing the Philly. Green Bay Thursday game and we saw Aaron Rodgers go off and he wasn't running any of the Matt LaFleur stuff it was all old school get get in the shotgun throw the football all over the field the yeah. Aaron Rodgers stuff we'd seen forever and you didn't see Matt LaFleur after the game bumming because it wasn't his version of the Green Bay Packers offense he couldn't he's just he, see here's the thing they're on the same page because they both just want success. And that's the type of partnership you want. And that's why I've been calling for Matt LaFleur to be their head coach before anybody else on the national scene thought that that was even a possibility. Listen, it doesn't matter. Like, LaFleur can't win right now. This is Aaron's team. That's why McCarthy was gone. Because Aaron Rodgers is in charge. So if LaFleur says on the headset, hey, we're going to run this play, and Aaron Rodgers runs a different play. There's no repercussions. So LaFleur can't get up there and say, yeah, he's doing what he wants. And I'm not saying that's the case, but what I'm saying is he can't win yet in that situation. Aaron Rodgers would have Talk. to play very bad for him to then be like, yo, Aaron Rodgers isn't listening to me. Hawk, this right now in Green Bay is a perfect marriage partnership. And I know both you and I have perfect marriages. Yeah, obviously. And you know why? Each other. Keisha and oh, Annie. Yeah, them too. And you and me have a perfect marriage and a perfect partnership because they have 51% of the vote and yep. we have 49%. Yep. So no matter what happens, when it comes time for nut cutting time, they win out. And yep. that's the same thing with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers has 51% of the vote. And Matt LaFleur is 49%. So yeah. whatever Matt says, it doesn't really matter in the end. They're only interested in winning. And so as long as Aaron Rodgers continues to perform at the level he's performing, Matt LaFleur is going to be the number one cheerleader. And that's why they hired him. Because they knew that he was going to be able to work together with Aaron. And he was going to form this perfect partnership where they both understood their roles and their responsibilities. And who has the trump card. And that's Aaron Rodgers. And that's the way it should be when you have a generational talent. At they should have hired me. I'll, I'll, 
eat shit for Aaron Rodgers. I would have been for it because I, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, hey, do whatever, do whatever Aaron says. Yeah, of course. I'd get perfect. up there at the podium. Like, listen, we, we fought hard today. Uh, we got to do better on third down. We got to stop the run. I mean, that's one thing. And we didn't tackle well. Um, but we'll make all the corrections. We got to look at the tape and uh, we'll figure it out. Next question. See, I could do that because it is easy. That's you could good. be the head Thank coach you. of any team with that. Press conference. I, right I mean, there. it's simple. Like, yo, we, I mean, we got to run the football. No, we just didn't get it done today. We didn't get enough yards on first down. We, we have to, we, we can't put ourselves in third and 10. Got to pay more attention to the details. That's hard. There's not third a play in the playbook. Got to be better on third down. Penalties. Got to be can't better win in the like zone. This. Can't turn the ball over. Like, you know, we can't win like that. We want guys that want to be here. Turnovers. Whoever wins a turnover battle typically wins the football game. Special teams. Yeah, we it's just got to have a better defense. You know, we got to get off the field on third down. Special teams. You can't let them convert those fourth downs. If the special teams. When you get in those fourth and one situations. You know, you, I mean, you got to stop them. You got to get them off the field. Our defense is getting tired. You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. We got to give them a pocket. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. We'll go take a look at the tape, and we'll, we'll see where the corrections need to be made. And we'll be better next week. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Wow. <laughs> I, I need to gather my thoughts after that. That's an that, was, right that was remarkable. That was every coaching press conference you've ever heard in I'm your life. I'm an award-running coach speak. in a minute and a half. I have so many more uh, helmet communication questions, but we'll save those for another time. <laughs> Joe, Sunday morning, you tweeted out a video of you watching football, but before you pan up to show the television with the football on it, we see your bare feet and your toes are being painted bright red by someone who seems to be your daughter. Joe, you used to hurt big, scary guys on Sundays. Now you post videos of you getting your toenails painted and your hashtag dad life. Explain yourself. So I actually enjoy a nice pedicure. I don't know, Hawk, if you've ever got a pedicure, but yeah. it's one of the fun things that I like to do with my wife during the day. If I've got a free day and yeah, I'm I mean, not if your daughter there, can do them, I mean, I guess that's a benefit. I don't want to waste the oh. money, but if you you know, you know run a pedicure sweatshop, that's on you. <laughs> uh, on a day when I'm not producing podcast gold, which is a very big rarity, yeah, rare. I, I like you know going out and having a nice breakfast with the wife and going to get a pedicure. And sometimes at the end, I'll say, yeah, Throw a little color on there. We'll see what happens, you know? If it's part of the package and I'm already paying for it, I don't like giving away things yeah, that I've free. already paid for. Right, exactly. So I'll take it. But um, no, it was really cool, actually, because at the end of the day, my daughter said, we always go around the table at, at the dinner table and say, all right, what was your favorite part of the day? And then what was your least favorite part of the day? You know, you kind of do the highs and lows. And yep. a lot of times the kids just ignore us and say, you guys are idiots. But okay. uh, that day, she said, you know what, daddy, <laughs> painting your toenails, was the highlight of the day, and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." I'm glad I gave you that opportunity by sitting there and watching football. It was a it was a tough job, but somebody had to do it, <laughs> and uh, it was bright pink, by the way. But on top of all of that, my beef is this: Does anybody know on the iPhone how to change the perspective once your phone has erroneously <laughs> videoed in the wrong perspective? Because that video unbeknownst to me was in portrait mode and I wanted landscape because it was clearly a landscape <laughs> shot. But once you've already filmed it, there's like no easy way to change it that I know of. So if anybody knows it, call the Tomahawk hotline and let us know if it's, if it's recording in landscape, it's over, man, it's over. You can't, you can't then go back. How about this? Change it to how, portrait. About, how about this? So if you're outside in you California and you're, you're looking out at the Hollywood Hills and all of a sudden the Yeti, jumps out of the mountain and just starts jumping down the mountain and you pull out your iPhone, holy crap, and you're filming in landscape mode and it shows up in portrait mode. And the <laughs> only known video of recorded history of the Yeti is in the wrong freaking perspective. What do you do? Yeah, you count your losses, man. 
I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> just don't, you don't post it at all. You don't you post just it. eat it and just, just tell people just, that you saw the Yeti, but you got a bad video. I think that's so what everybody has done with the Yeti. Like it's either the, yeah, the, the video is too grainy. I dropped the camera. I've also seen way too many Yeti movies this year. I have kids and there's, there's Abominable. Oh yeah. There's, there's Mr. Link. Foot. There is Smallfoot, and we've seen all of them to the point that my my kids are like, hey, are Yetis real? I'm like, yeah, you would think they're real because we've seen literally three Yeti movies in the past calendar year. How do those get greenlit? How do three Yeti movies in Hollywood all go to theater? Copycat League. I guess. It's a copy. We didn't. That's one we missed in the press conference. <laughs> it's a copycat league. All right. What's next? After a couple too many soft drinks, you yep. tweeted, you know what? I'm about to say it. Ed Orgeron needs a cough drop. Great job, uh, you know, Dan did a tremendous job, but I'll tell you what, Coach Renan did a tremendous job at halftime of stopping 84. Got to give credit to our defense. They made the stops they can. And what an offense, man. I'm so proud of those guys. You know, it, I, yes, he needs a cough drop. He needs a, a voice box transplant. I'm going to just come out. It sounds like he's doing that on purpose, and I know it's not. I don't want to make fun of his voice, but it's, like, how is your voice that deep? He sounds, what was the coach's name off of Waterboy? The guy who was Farmer like, Fred? Willie Babayanande. Willie Babayanande. That dude, Farmer Fred. Yeah, Farmer Fred. Coach Farmer Fred is his name. That's who Coach Orgeron sounds like. You remember Sean Coleman from the Browns? He was a right tackle from yes. Auburn. Yes. He had a super deep voice. Now, he didn't talk a whole lot, but him and I were good friends. That's probably and why. so it was great opening him up and, and uh, getting him to start talking a lot because his voice sounded – it wasn't as scratchy as Ed Orgeron, but it was ultra deep. They called him – Barry Wyatt around the facility because his <laughs> voice was so low. And I love it, man. It's the spice of life, having guys with personality, with crazy voices like that. I would think that being an LSU player, you would love playing for a coach that's just always kind of making you chuckle a little bit. Deep deep voices to me, because, again, as somebody with a deep voice, when I hear people who have like even crazier, deep-level voices, it freaks me out. Like an Ed Orgeron freaks me out. Did you ever have a coach that had an interesting voice like that? Because when Eric Mangini was the head coach of the Browns, uh -huh. he would always come into team meetings. And I think it was just kind of like a security blanket for him, but he would always have this giant dip in. And it was so big and it was in the side of his mouth that he would always have this big lisp. And he's not a guy that has a lisp. He goes on Fox Sports, I think. And I think he does a really good job. I love listening to him. He's not full of energy, but he's full of very interesting information and perspective. And he doesn't have a list, but in those team meetings, we would make fun of him because he sounded like he had the worst lisp of all time. He'd be like, Go, Thomas, what the fuck is this shit? We can't do this shit. We can't get a quarterback hit. Well, I don't know why I have to keep telling you, don't let the quarterback get hit. This is the key to our success. <laughs> we'd be in the back we'd be like damn we can't stop laughing listen to yourself take that thing out of your mouth that's like a huge dog you. crap you got in the side of your lips <sighs> we're too busy laughing of course we're going to keep getting the quarterback hit what do we got next John we talking officiating yes time to talk officiating tweet thread alert from your man Joe Thomas Joe you wrote in a tweet thread quote 
If the NFL instant replay rule, I'm going to go to my deeper Joe Thomas voice. Sorry. Yep. Do if, the Eric Mangini voice. <laughs> Let's see if you can read it in Eric Mangini's voice. There's like 600 words here. I don't know if I can do. Joe, that was amazing, by the way. You sounded like Eric Mangini and you had a fake dip in at the same time. I was so impressed. <laughs> Thank you. If the NFL instant replay rule isn't overturning clear and obvious PI, and the only instance that a change will be made is the Saints versus Ravens case, it begs the question why do we have the rule at all? Next tweet. The red nuclear phone line. Joe We're loves the quotes, the, uh, the the tweet thread. That's his motion. Yeah, I got a lot his, of thoughts. Yeah. Next tweet. The red nuclear phone line where New York could call down to the field in the case of a once-in-a-lifetime Saints-Rams type Miss P.I. scrap the wasted time, energy, and loss of enjoyment that the current rule causes. Next tweet. Now, roughing the passer, that's something that could be challenged. Explain yourself. I remember that back in maybe the early 90s, watching the NFL as a kid, there was no such thing as instant replay. And it was okay. We loved the game of football. <laughs> we didn't have as many camera angles as we do now, but at the end of a game, there was a occasionally when you a time when you felt the refs maybe missed a call here or there, but overall, you didn't feel like your team got robbed. There wasn't a lot of chatter about the officiating in the NFL. But then the NFL, they decided, you know what? I think we can make things better. We can make sure that we don't have these situations in a game where ref might miss something one way or the other. And it causes a different outcome than should have happened. And we don't want officials to be getting the blame for the results of a game, right? So they enacted instant replay because their commitment to the fans was we're going to get it right. Well, the problem is right now, NFL officials haven't been afforded any additional technology to do their jobs. And I think we've reached the limit of human ability to ref NFL football games with just their eyes in real time. There's always going to be mistakes. There's a human element in officiating. The people in the NFL are continually getting bigger and faster, and it's making it more difficult to officiate in real time. And the NFL continues to implement more and more confusing and ridiculous rules, and they're handcuffing officials by asking them to be tighter on holding calls, hands to the face, all the different things that happen in offensive and defensive lines that were technically, typically being allowed to get away with it, yep. but now they're asking them to officiate it even tighter. So they're putting more burden on the officials. They're not giving them additional technology, and then they're giving fans like you and me and coaches and everybody else in the stadium the ability to slow down on instant replay and watch these plays and to be able to dissect things in super slow motion. And so now we're realizing that sometimes things that are happening so quickly into the human eye, you can't even see it. Maybe they might be getting missed one way or the other, which is causing us as fans to ask the NFL hey, you told us we have instant replay because we want to get these calls right and we don't ever want to have the officials determining the outcome of the game. Well, that's not happening. And it's gotten even worse because not only has the NFL told us that we're going to get it right, but they were getting it right for the most part. Yeah. But then in the middle of the season, they've decided to change the standard for overturning instant replay 
to now make it even beyond clear and obvious and egregious. So they're not even overturning what the officials are doing on the field. So in the case of many things that have happened just in this very last weekend of football games, I'll name just a couple. The Jarvis Landry touchdown, not touchdown on the goal line. Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray, when he was scrambling for first down, not sure if you saw this one, but he had the ball in his right hand and it was clearly at least a yard short of the, the, the yard to gain. Yep. And the officials... They reviewed it and they watched it and they didn't overturn it. They didn't even move the spot back at all, which was horrible. And over and over and over again on the pass interference stuff, then we saw the Jarvis Landry illegal crackback block where he was just kind of standing there and the defensive player ran right into him. Yep. So there's all these mistakes that are happening. The NFL keeps telling the fans that we're going to get it right and that's why we have replay. And then what do they do? They don't get it right. And even when we challenge it and we get an opportunity to look at it, they don't overturn it. So what's the point? Why do we even have instant replay in the first place? If we're ha- if the point of instant replay is to get it right, but even when we can see that the call was missed or mistakenly implemented, we're not changing it, then we should just get away with it at all because then we can at least get rid of the illusion that the NFL is giving to its fans that we're trying to get it right, and that's why we have instant replay. And we can get rid of the wasted time I'm and okay. the wasted flow of the game. Go I'm ahead. okay with it with the, the replays for like how it was originally implemented and how we did it. If we're gonna re if we're gonna review penalties, we have to review all penalties. I never liked just doing the pass interference because if you watch the Monday night football game between the Packers and the Lions and uh, who was going against Bakhtiari? Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers, who had his his hand in the shoulder pad collar of Bakhtiari was called for illegal hands to the face or neck, and it wasn't the case. And he got called for two of them, the first two he's ever had in his entire career, and he's always done that move. So good on Bakhtiari. Remember the time of block? I'm all for that. But – from the ref's perspective, like if you can't review that and go back and look at that and say, oh, okay, that was wrong. You know, if you're not able to review that penalty, I don't think you should be able to review any of them, which is where I think eventually the league will go with it. That you can't review. Well, here's penalties. my proposal. It is what it is. Here's my proposal. Let's remove instant replay the way it currently is being implemented, where the ref uh, in under two minutes gets an opportunity to go review it. Or when there's not two minutes left in the game, the coach has to throw the flag. What we need to do is have officials or maybe one official that's up in a booth that's looking at all the the TV copies of the game that at any moment in the game can quickly buzz down on a bat phone to the officials on the field and change a call that's being made. Don't waste our time by watching these fat old referees jog over to the sidelines to go look at a Microsoft Surface to tell us what we saw didn't happen. I'm tired of seeing that. I'm tired of it wasting my time. Right. Just have the guy that's up in the booth quickly, as everybody at home can see, call down and say, hey, that was pass interference. That wasn't pass interference. He was inbounds. It was a touchdown. That wasn't a block in the back. That was a block in the back. You missed it. Whatever it is, he doesn't even have to do like the whole dramatic bat phone buzzer right. thing. They can talk right in the ear of the officials like they currently are doing right now and get it right before the fans even know that anybody upstairs no, looked at it. No, you're looking it would at this all the, wrong. It would help the flow of the game. They should do a Twitter poll. Every call, I like that idea too. Twitter poll, 15-minute Twitter poll, put it on Twitter, let the fans decide if it was in or out. Was that a catch or not a catch? Was that a pass interference or not a pass interference? So how long do they give it? One minute? We give them, we'll give them 66 seconds. No, 77 seconds. seconds because that seemed a little satanic. So we'll go 77 seconds and everyone on Twitter, all the football fans watching can vote. And that's what, boom, 
They voted that that was a pass interference against the Rams. Boom. Saints ball. So that's clearly the best idea that I've heard yet. Thank you. Thank However, you. However, if for applause. some reason the NFL owners don't adopt that strategy, <laughs> I would love to hear at Tomahawk Show. Please tweet at us at Hawk at Joe Thomas 73 and let us know what you think of my proposal that we eliminate instant replay and we go to the sky judge, which apparently I'm not an NHL fan, but apparently that's what they do in the NHL where they have an official that's upstairs. He's looking at all the different angles and he's able to communicate in real time to the officials that are on the field to make sure that they're getting these calls right. And that these insane missed calls don't continue to happen every single week. Because like I mentioned, Right now, we have reached the limit of human ability and the human eye to process what is happening in the game of football in real time. And there's just going to continually be these mistakes that are being made week in and week out unless we change the process of instant replay and don't waste our time anymore with the stupid challenge flag and running to the sideline and looking at the surface. I'm tired of watching that. Yeah, I love it, man. I think um, that's a topic we left in the laundromat. So tell me this, Joe. Are you ready to use the new catchphrase on Thursday Night Football? Before we get out of so here. So I had my call with my producer, uh-huh. and we've been in discussions about how I'm going to fit this in. And this is the biggest it? challenge of my career by far. <laughs> Turning the Browns around, no problem. <laughs> Getting left him in the laundromat. You did that with flying colors, let me, let me add. Thank you. No problem. Left in the laundromat in the Thursday night football pregame or postgame show. This is going to take some work. And also, is it legal if I say leave, leave, he's leaving guys in the laundromat? Like can I? Can I? I think so. Any okay. any version of that, any present right, tense, perfect. past tense, is all good. I think. All right. I'm also curious to see how Mina does it. We're gonna check in with her. If she doesn't yeah. do it, she's dead to us. All right. So that does it for this episode of Tomahawk. We appreciate you guys joining in. Make sure you subscribe, rate five stars, and all of that good jazz. Um, hit us up on social media at Tomahawk Show, and we'll see you on Sunday. Make sure you hit our YouTube up too, because that's where all our shows are. Joe, final thoughts. Well, my final thoughts was the instant replay change, but I will say one more thing, but give me one second. That does it for this episode of Tomahawk Show. Joe, take us out. Joe, hawk yourself.